Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. episode 19. Today's guest is the beautiful Roxanne Cambridge. Roxanne is a social media influencer and mama of three beautiful children and almost halfway through her pregnancy with her fourth bubba on the way. In this episode, Roxanne shares her journey into matrescence as she exited adolescence and she talks about the hardships her and husband Jackson faced as young parents. Roxanne shares why having a baby came as such a surprise and why being a mother is a dream come true. We chat about the importance of self-care as a busy mama and we also digress into Roxanne's passion for sustainable living and why she advocates for being more mindful about our environmental footprint. I've personally followed Roxanne online for years now and as you can probably tell in this conversation, I was thrilled to interview her and hear all about her motherhood journey. I hope that you enjoy episode 19 of Inside Out. Roxanne, welcome to Inside Out. I am absolutely thrilled to have you on today's episode. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm actually so excited. I've never been on a um, podcast before, so I was hyped when you asked. Oh, you're totally welcome. Just to share a quick story um, with the listeners, I just explained this to you actually, but this is manifestation in full form. A little while ago, I sat down and started writing down a list of women on Instagram that I felt really drawn to for their account, you know, for whatever reason, whether it be health or motherhood um, or simply just their authenticity. And I actually wrote down your account because I've followed you on my Inside Out account since starting the podcast, but my personal account for like maybe like four years or longer. And I know that it was way before you fell pregnant with Elliot anyway. And I reached out to you a couple of weeks ago to see if you'd be keen to come on the show. And you replied that you were literally listening to my podcast right at that moment. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is insane. So I have been really looking forward to this conversation to say that as an understatement. <laughs> that's so good. Oh, yeah, that's just wild to me. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's like, oh, the stars are aligning. Yes, absolutely. Uh, First of all, a huge congratulations on your fourth baby. Uh, You're 17 weeks pregnant now, is that right? Yes, 17 weeks yesterday. I'm finding it hard to keep track. Yeah, how are you feeling? Um, I'm actually feeling really good. I was really sick at the beginning. I've never been so sick with any of my pregnancies. So it's kind of like, I think it's a girl, but... Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm feeling really good now. I actually feel pretty normal, which is weird. Yeah. When I was pregnant with Lola, I swear that question, like how are you feeling, got old real quick. I probably should have thought of something else. But, you know, um, as a mom, it's something that when I say it and I say it so genuinely. I Like I want to know the details. I want to know how you're feeling, how's the pregnancy, what are you eating, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I, like I – because I read that question and say – oh, they want to know exactly how I'm feeling, not like just, oh, how are you going? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I appreciate you asking me because <laughs> sometimes it's a little, you know. Yeah. yeah. So to give us a little snapshot of you, who you are, and a little bit of into your life right now, can you share? Um, okay, yes. Yeah, so I'm Roxanne. 
if you didn't know. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm pretty much a mum full-time. I have a landscaping, like a structural landscaping business with my husband, which I operate with him. Um, And I do social media influencing. So that's mainly what I do. Um, My days look pretty crazy most of the time. So yeah, yeah. So imagine mum of three, one on the way. It would be very full on in your household right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all really young too. So, yeah, so my oh, eldest yeah. is seven. She's almost seven. Um, my current middle baby yeah. is almost four. And then my little, my littlest baby is almost two. So it's a lot of screaming. Yes. I can imagine I definitely <laughs> relate with that. When I saw your pregnancy announcement, I was like, oh, maybe I could have another one. But then I realised that was five children under my roof and I quickly shoved that thought far, far away. <laughs> but yeah, I almost have a child care centre, almost, okay. home daycare. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I think the maximum here is four kids per daycare, so I'd be going over the limit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's like that's pretty much me. Yeah, I love it. Um, so and obviously you're a busy mama of three, fourth on the way, but something that I've noticed is how you're really always quite radiant and glowing in all of your social media, on your stories and in all your photos. Your skin is always beautiful. Can you give us a little insight into, you know, your self-care routine? What do you do to look after yourself? Yeah, okay. Um, thank you again for that. That's a very lovely compliment. Um, I think for self-care, I'm just – I find a lot of mothers especially um, and I was like this myself when I first had kids kind of put their own needs behind the children and husband and work and everything else that needs to be done. Um, So I find that just taking even an hour a day, I know it seems like a lot, but yeah, just an hour a day just to have some self-reflection really helps me um I connect with myself um it's not like med- not necessarily like meditating or yoga or anything like that it's just giving myself a little bit of time just to ask myself some questions like journaling um, sort of thing um well I do like mental journaling <laughs> so um I, I like to ask myself um like if there's anything during the day that I noticed where I got um I let my emotion take over what a logical answer is because I'm a very logical person. Yep. Um, and occasionally I do let my emotions take over and I'm okay with, like I'm totally okay with that. But if I'm not kind of aware of it, then I feel I lose track of what I'm actually doing, if that makes sense. Mm. So I kind of like, that'll be like me asking myself about if I've, you know, like blown up about something that was really minor and in the long run was that something that was worth having the argument about or, and especially with the kids, like that's something I really, really, I do that often. Um, And then I ask myself like how, obviously like how much water have you drank and what have you eaten today? Um, And just those little questions where I kind of can reflect on what I'm doing and if it's actually serving me well. Yes. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So um, there's that, and then there's there's the external stuff like skincare. I'm very consistent with my skincare. Um, so I use Esme 
skin minerals. I'm sure you've seen that before, but I use them. I've been using them for two years and their products are just amazing. The brightening serum is so, so, so good for making my skin look glowy. So there's that radiant and glowness that you see. Yes. Um, and yeah, I like to give myself a face mask every week. Um, and I do like to do like a 10 minute blood pumping session in the morning. <laughs> Yeah. So it'll be just like 10 squats um, and a couple of hops if I can squeeze them in. Nothing too drastic, but just to get my body moving. It yeah, get the endorphins flowing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I just find like when you're asleep, your body's kind of stagnant um, and your blood's not, you know, like pumping around as well as it should be. So I find if I do like a quick 10 minutes or even five minutes, if I don't really feel like it, just to get that moving again. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like that helps so much. Oh, I love that. That's definitely some great tips in there. Um, something that I've practiced also since I had Jesse, so a couple of years now, it's so simple, but it's putting on the Esme, um, the 24K gold nourishing oil every morning. I wake up, literally roll out of bed and put that on my face. And it just makes me feel so much brighter. It smells so nice. I feel so feminine when I'm wearing it. Um, and I certainly relate with, you know, how hard self-care can be with three children, as you know, I go from two to four week on week off sort of thing with my stepdaughters. So my priorities are always shifting, but it's just those small simplistic habits and rituals as a busy mum that allow us to inject self-care into our routines. And it's just so important that we continue doing these things, even when we are under the pump with the kids, you know? Oh, absolutely. Cause we, you know, it, I like to say, um, you can't fall from an empty cup. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that mantra. <laughs> got nothing to give if you're not taking care of yourself. So, yeah, that question. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And now I know you entered matrescence as you sort of exited adolescence, essentially. And just to quickly elaborate on the word, for those that don't know, the meaning behind the word matrescence, as it is relatively new um, in the modern language, but matrescence explores the physical and psychological and emotional changes you go through after the birth of your children. It is the developmental phase of new motherhood. I know listeners would love to hear more about your journey into motherhood. Can you take us back to that magical time, finding out you're pregnant with your first baby? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, number one, I've never heard that word before. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, with me. That's so interesting. I it? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It makes perfect sense. Um, yeah. there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't a name for that. So that's awesome. Thank you. Um, so with my first, what, yeah, it was like really crazy. I was 17 when I found out I was pregnant with Emerald. Um, so I was really young. Jackson and I had kind of we'd been dating for a little bit and we'd just moved out together so yeah it was just so unexpected and previously I'd been told I couldn't have children so wow I was not expecting it whatsoever and when I found out I was oddly enough I was really happy because I kind of thought I'd never have children um but then I was really really scared because I was 17 I'd kind of just finished school recently it was probably it was less than a year that I'd finished school in um I'd kind of thrown myself into work I was working two jobs at the time and yeah it just got it just felt very very overwhelming um but had no idea until I was about three months pregnant because I obviously I had um polycystic so I was having irregular periods anyway so it wasn't really 
Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But then I got a nosebleed and I was like, well, something's going on. Wow. Because I never get nosebleeds. And then um, my husband made, or my now husband made me my favorite meal at the time, which was mashed potato and deviled sausages. Gross now, but <laughs> loved it then and yeah. grew up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it was, it was like eight o'clock at night. That's a late dinner, but it was eight o'clock at night. And he took me to the doctors and the doctor was like, oh, you're pregnant. Oh my goodness. And how, what was Jackson's reaction at the time? He was joking. Oh no. Yeah. For about two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> he thought I was joking for about two weeks. And then he got really excited because he's always wanted kids. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a little bit nerve wracking, but it was also, it felt, I didn't feel like I was in a bad position yep. to have um, to a child, but I was very young. So that was scary. Yeah. So just diving into the fears a little bit, what were some fears that you had surrounding starting a family? Oh, um, so obviously because I thought I could never have kids, I'd never given myself the chance to actually think about it. Mm. Um, so just having myself open, having to open up to that idea was, that was scary in itself for me. Um, and then there was obviously, I lost my job because I was pregnant. Um, they didn't tell me that was why, but that was why I was working a retail job and yeah, they let me go because apparently my performance wasn't there, but they were training me to be a 2IC at the time. So, uh, didn't kind of, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> um, yeah. So they, that was scary. And then Jackson actually lost his job as well a few weeks after I lost mine. So we ended up having to move into his parents or his mum and stepdad's like little shed setup thing. So that was, it was really, really I was, I was very scared of what would happen when we had this baby because we were kind of thrown into a really tough spot really early on. Mm. And we kind of knew this baby was coming um, and then we just worked really, really hard to secure a job. And then we ended up moving to the Sunshine Coast when I was like 36 weeks pregnant with her. Yeah, um, yeah it was just crazy. It was just so – there was just so many things that I was so terrified of um, and just like being, being a good enough mum. Yeah. was probably like one of the biggest ones because I was, I was like a baby myself. I felt like I was so, I was not equipped to take care of another human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that was. <laughs> an and you're having, you know, having a baby, you just finally at the legal drinking age and you're finally allowed to have all this responsibility and make all these decisions. And then you've got another person that you're responsible for now. Oh yeah, that was full on. My yeah, I had it. We're quite lucky. Our parents were uh, my my mum had kids when she was like twenty three, so she was kind of like not super happy for me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, especially because I wasn't married, my mum's pretty old school. Yeah. Um, and then Jackson's mum actually had her first when she was sixteen, so she was a lot more understanding. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, it was like good to be able to talk to her about what was going on and how I was feeling and she could kind of relate. So, so good that you guys had that support there. What were some uh, common challenges that when you were parents with your first that you faced? 
Um, definitely being treated like children. Yeah. Um, like at the hospital and um, everything, people would just treat us like we had no idea what we were doing, which most new parents have anyway. Yes. Um, everybody's trying to work it out, but just because we were younger, we were treated like, you know, like just idiot kids who, you know, were stupid and had a, like got pregnant. Maybe, yeah. Um, which was really, that was pretty depressing to be treated like that. But Jackson and I are both pretty positive people, so we can kind of put negative thoughts behind us mm. and keep doing what we're doing. Um, and then there was just just trying to get our, you know, like our shit together, really, like um, trying to get our first, like, rental property together with a baby. Um, and then obviously because our relationship was still pretty fresh then, um, cause we'd only been together for a few years. It's, we're still learning so much about it, each other. So we were having a few challenges there, but. Yeah. Well, good on you guys for what you've achieved in such a short period of time, because how, how old are you now? Sorry. I'm 26 now. Okay. Such a short period of time. And you know, you guys have done so well for yourself. So you should be incredibly proud of your family. Oh, thank you. We are. <laughs> we work so hard. Yeah. Just digressing a little bit. Um, did you have positive birth experiences? So you've had the three. How did that all go? So my first two were pretty traumatic when I think back. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like to compare my birth stories to other people's, but they don't sound as traumatic as some people have had, but they were for me. Um, we just had my waters broke it's happened the same way with all of my kids but my waters have broken and then my labors haven't um progressed at all so I kind of had to be put on the is it Sintocin yes yeah Yeah, I was put on that and I was also very stubborn so I didn't want any um pain relief yeah right it was apparently it's harder that way (laughs) and um my first birth was pretty crazy because had a student in there and she kept accidentally like clipping my uterus with that little thing that they put on the baby's head for the heartbeat. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, there's blood everywhere. It's a mess. Um, so there was that. And obviously I was on, not on pain relief so that I could feel that plus the labor pains. Mm. And then my doctor had really sharp nails. Yeah. And I was like, that hurts me. Can you stop? Oh my goodness just because you're in labor. And I was like, I guarantee you, it is the talents that you were putting inside of me. That's what it is. Um, so yeah, it was, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and then my second was pretty similar. There's a lot of fluid everywhere. I apparently I almost drowned the nurse. Um, can't remember, but yeah, both normal vaginal deliveries, the first two. And then I had a epidural with, Elliot because it, it went the same way yeah um and I was so tired from my first two because they were they were probably four and one at the time mm. no almost two yeah almost two and then almost five and they were still waking up at night and all the you know children stuff yeah so I was like I don't think I could do it without pain relief so I decided to get an epidural the, the dude didn't get it right the first time and then um he got it and then it was really enjoyable okay um 
I don't know if you saw, Jackson was napping a lot of the time, <laughs> um, as was I, so it was nice. Um, but yeah, it was, I really enjoyed my last birth. So I think I'll try and do it the same way this time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, with um, with my two, I didn't get the epidural. It was sort of something that we discussed beforehand. I was like, no, I'm not going to get it. I yeah. And then with my second, I just knew that I was at the point that it was too late to ask for it, but I was screaming for it. I was like, give me the epidural. Yeah. <laughs> I want it. I don't care what happens. Just get it. Give me some pain relief. And they're like, it's too late for that. Oh, no. Yeah, so oh, definitely yeah. if you're thinking about it, do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I just – um, I don't think there's, like, a wrong way to give birth whatsoever. No. So um, I wasn't, like, hard on myself about it. Definitely my first, I was like, there's no way that I'm getting any pain relief or anything like that, but I definitely needed it then. Mm. So I wish that I was a little bit less stubborn. Um, but, you know, life's about learning, so it's fine. <laughs> That's it. And did you feel a shift when you transitioned from having one to two children and then again from two to three? Like what was it like in your household shifting that, you know, with the different ages and sexes of kids too? Okay. So the first from one to two was, that was probably the hardest one for me, the hardest transition. Um, With Zeke, I found it really, really hard to connect with him after I had him. So I absolutely loved him, but I was going through some postnatal depression with him. Um, so, I yeah, I was just shocked when he was born. I don't know. It was just, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It was just, he, he was born and they put him on my chest and I looked at him and it was, I just like couldn't believe that he was there. And he looked so much like Emerald too. And I was just like, I my whole life had revolved around this one child and now I have two. Yeah. Like, am I supposed to love this one as much? And then I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Like I was just, I was so obsessed with him, but I was like worried I was going to let him down. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So, like self-sabotage in your thought process. Yeah. I was just like, how am I supposed to like love him as much as I can? I love her. Like how am I, how am I supposed to distribute that evenly and make him feel like he's, you know, welcomed into this family as well? And there was just so much going on. And then, yeah, and then I had a bit of depression as well. So I ended up, I noticed it really, I noticed it myself because I, I, I felt it really intensely. So I took myself to a therapist, um, which was really, really helpful. So I was seeing a therapist for a little bit. Um, but yeah. Amazing. Did you have any other resources that you sort of lent into other than a therapist at that point? Was there anything that stands out that you recall that you, you know, were utilizing with support online or? Oh, definitely because of the social media following stuff. When I kind of put it out there that I was dealing with that, I had a lot of like other mums come up to me, like just send me messages and stuff saying like, I've been through that that as well and like I would talk to them about how I was feeling and they would just kind of help me see different perspectives on how I was feeling Mm. which was so helpful to me especially because none of my friends were having kids yes kids so I didn't really have anybody else in my personal life to talk to 
Yeah, when Jesse um, was born, I went through something quite similar because none of my girlfriends had children. And whilst they were all amazing and so accommodating and they were so good to me at that time, there was not really anyone that was going through the same things that I was going through. And it can make you feel quite isolated and disconnected from everyone. And obviously, you know, I've had my partner like you had yours, but it was my first baby and I had all these questions and no one to really bounce this stuff off now I'm really lucky with my second I've had a lot of girlfriends now having their first so I think I'm kind of the mum that they're asking questions to which yeah is- <laughs> I'm that mum too don't worry yeah. <laughs> all of my friends have just had they've had their first in the fu- in the first couple of years yeah and they're just like constantly calling me oh sending me messages like hey is this normal I'm like yes it's totally totally normal if you're worried go ask your doctor but yeah and the mantra I think that um which my husband actually says all the time it's not my mantra it's his but he always just reminded me babies survive in Fiji all the time and they're not like and they don't have what we have they don't have technology they don't have the perfect nappies they don't have you know the perfect bedrooms and all the the um, bits and pieces that you need to be the perfect mum like stop stressing about it and just don't overcomplicate being a mother oh yeah it's that pressure that you put on yourself and it's not even nobody else puts it on puts that pressure on you it's just yourself saying I need to be better all the time or I need to do this to tick all the boxes but in reality there's no boxes that you need to tick whatsoever it's like is your baby healthy is your baby happy yeah and that's it and then it's like you know like they they feel so much of what we feel as well so if we're not taking care of ourselves they get that and they get the repercussions of how we're treating ourselves and it teaches them what's not. There's so many things that we just don't notice that we're doing that impact them so much and make them become the people that they grow up to be. So totally agree with you there. I personally also just um, noticed the shift and you're, you're going to go through this obviously when you have your fourth, but I noticed the shift between three and four kids. And I think it's just a lot to do with the age that my son is. And don't get me wrong. I'm loving this age. He's 20 months, moving, learning, growing every day. It's so beautiful to watch. I'm sure that you're the same. Um, firecracker little dude though. So he's very full on. I don't know how full on Elliot is in comparison to Jesse, but Jesse's just a little firecracker. Um, But when I have the four kids, the girls are unreal. They're so helpful and patient and things. But as soon as they all need me, it's very, it becomes very full on very quickly. And it it does get quite draining sometimes. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's important not to fight that as well. (laughs) You know, like, yeah, just go with it and lean into it. Ride the wave. Yeah, surrender. Surrender to the children. (laughs) There's no point in like getting mad and just raging. It's just like, okay, what do you need? Let's line up. (laughs) Literally, that's how I do it. (laughs) That's what I do. I'm like, okay, let's go. How do we want to work this? Yeah, couldn't agree more. There's such an identity rebirth when you do become a mum and it's a way to grow and develop different traits within yourself. And it's, it really is just so amazing. But can you share what your biggest growth was in your transition to motherhood? Well, that's a good question. I think it definitely would have been, it would have come down to how to care for myself. Mm. If that makes any sense. What's <laughs> No, it does. No, I am. Um, I was just never really, I kind of, I, I grew up as the eldest of two. Um, my mum is 
her English is her second language. So I was always taking care of things for her. And my brother would kind of just give up on things really quickly. So she would ask me to do a lot for him. So I was never really putting myself first ever. Um, and then when I had Emerald, I kind of realized I just had to, I had to take care of myself too. Mm. Like it's not, yeah, it's just not sustainable for me to be running myself into the ground to take care of everybody or else around me. Mm. Cause I was trying to juggle so many things like getting to all of my friends events as well as being a new mum and, you know, being like a good partner and all of those things, and yeah. like a good family member. So I just kind of had to step, I, yeah, it just kind of told me to step back and slow down a little bit mm. um, and to be okay with that as well. Like you don't have to be running at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. To just let go. Yeah. I love that. There really is such a new world that we enter into. We really go from, you know, women to mum. And I know that we're still women and we have our identity, but the identity that we're leaning into as mothers is so empowering. And this version of ourselves that we, we almost have to go on a mission of self-discovery again. And I, I really feel like when we do that, we are as new mums flourishing into these women with so much more magic and so much more value. I love that. Yeah. And there's also, yeah, there's also like, um, we've got to remember as well, you're not just becoming, like you obviously become a mum when you have a child, but you are becoming so much more than that. You're still yourself, but you've kind of grown that circle. Mm. If that makes sense, like you've, you've expanded and you've grown and you've become something bigger than you were before. It's not you were you and then you become a mum. It's you're you and you're a mum. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I love I that. resonate with that. Now, I know that you are very conscious about your environmental footprint and something that, that's something that you do advocate for. Can you take us back to when you started your discovery of surrounding sustainability or how and when, sorry, did you focus to being more mindful? Okay. So that started probably about three or four years ago for me. Uh, I just kind of, so the story is I had, I fell pregnant with Elliot and we were living on the sunny coast um, and I was starting to feel really overwhelmed because my mum was about 45 minutes away and I was about to have my third, well, I just fell pregnant with my third and I got really stressed out. So we moved closer to her and we moved into a really, really small house. So we went from a like four or five bedroom house, which had lots and lots of space down to a two bedroom house, which was really, really small and had very limited space. So I became a lot more conscious of what we had in our home and we were starting to create a lot of rubbish. Mm. Um, and I just didn't realize how much rubbish we had before. Cause we were doing like, I think about it now, I'm like, that's wild, but we were doing tip runs every like two months which is it's normal for a lot of people to be going to the tip and doing a tip run every few weeks um every few months sorry um but for us I just didn't understand how that was like a normal thing and then I started to kind of look through what I was buying and it was just crap like it was stuff that we would use for a couple of weeks or um yeah we just use it once and throw it away our bins were filled with like 
just like food waste and packaging waste and just just stuff and I would just one day looked at it and I was like why why is this stuff here and where does it go mm. and then I just kind of I just kind of went look like you need to look more into this so I started I started reading about waste and landfill and that's something that I really care about now um and that was mainly just to make more space at home because our bins were getting full <laughs> and there was rubbish and, I, and Jackson was wasting his weekends going to the tip. And it was just the stuff that we were collecting was just crap. Like there was no, no point in having it. Um, yeah. And then I just kind of started looking into where, like what happens to it afterwards, found out that it doesn't even go anywhere. It just goes straight into the ground and sits there. Like most of what we were using and buying, it just goes, it just makes space in the ground. And it's like, why, like why? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then so I started looking more into what we were buying and how I could make that positively go away. So if I was going to buy anything, like when it comes to the end of its use or like whenever its life ends or whatever it may be, like where is it going to go and is it going to actually go back to the earth or can it be used in another way? And, yeah, that was just kind of where it started and since then it's just kind of snowballed. Into, into a lot of things yeah and I love how you just got curious with that like looking at it and going right I need to I need to know more and you you know went and researched it I do need to put my hand up here because I know I can be so much better at focusing on my environmental footprint I try and make conscious choices when I'm buying groceries and I avoid plastic wrapped fruit and veggies and all the stuff that seems to be like just such so silly that it's wrapped in plastic yeah. but on a grand scale, I know that I have a lot of room for improvement. And I love how you involve the kids in this too, because, you know, we have such a big responsibility to teach our children the right way. Um, And I think something just as small as encouraging them, you know, to find rubbish next time we go to the beach sort of thing. It's it all accumulates, doesn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, with, with the kids, my kids are super conscious of what we're buying and um, what happens when we go out and when they see rubbish they can't not pick it up now which I'm I'm so proud of them for um, but we do take three for the sea I'm not sure if you've seen that before but it's just when you go out into nature you just pick up three pieces of rubbish and that's all it takes but then the more often you do it the more you see the rubbish mm-hmm. and you're aware of it and you kind of go oh like crap like where is this even coming from and you notice the kind of rubbish that it is and so slowly you kind of start to avoid it just naturally because you've seen where it can end up Mm. and especially the beach for us because we do we spend a lot of time at the beach when we see rubbish there we're just kind of like just feel so bad like we feel bad even though it's not our rubbish we could have been yeah so that's what kind of that hits me the hardest um with that and my daughter's really weird about turtles so (laughs) Oh, like she's, she's obsessed with turtles. She's like, nothing can hurt turtles. They're so amazing. The only thing that hurts turtles is people. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> oh <God>. child. <laughs> yeah, look, like society as a collective has become quite disposable, you know, a disposable culture, I suppose. And we're all really focusing on convenience over mindfulness too. What are some things that you can draw on to encourage listeners to do to make simple changes in their day-to-day and contribute to their families and their own environmental footprint? Um, I totally agree with the disposable culture. It's probably one of my 
least favorite things in the world. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think I think one of the most important things people could do, which is really, really simple, is just look at what they're throwing away. Like just become aware of it because when you are aware of what you're consuming and um, kind of like where it can end up and what happens to it at the end of yeah, like when you're done using it, yeah. you become aware of that you will – just naturally make different decisions Mm. and I think I think I think it people put a lot of pressure on themselves straight away to like you know overnight I've got to switch over to all of these different things and it doesn't have to happen straight away and you don't have to feel bad like every time that you buy something and use like a plastic bag or something like you don't have to feel bad every time it's just are you aware of that that bag that you're using and what can, what happens to it at the end of it and like how it got there. Mm. So, yeah, and I just think awareness is super important. <laughs> totally. Like, and even if you forget, you know, your environmental bags when you go to the shops and you have to get plastic bags, well, taking the plastic bags back the next time, you know, you can reuse them. You don't just have to throw them away to get your, you know, the bag that you paid for to bring that to the shops. You can just use the ones that you had just got and just keep using them until you don't need them anymore because you've already consume them yeah and it's really like it's definitely more difficult at the moment um with the pandemic yeah I don't want to downplay that at all because I've I've struggled myself with trying to just get groceries and stuff they won't let there was a while that they wouldn't let me bring my produce bags and produce bags are a big thing for me I just think that it doesn't make sense to use the little plastic ones so if anybody go get produce bags yeah (laughs) yeah they're just little canvas bags and you just put your fruit and veg in that instead of the plastic ones because those you know those little flimsy ones they're just yeah they just broke you can't really use them after um but yeah with the pandemic it's definitely been harder to use the normal reusables Mm, I know no one would take my keep cup for ages gosh keep cups like I still can't get a coffee without a keep cup like my keep cup like there's very very small amount of places that'll take it now um but yeah, it's it's pretty rough with the pandemic. But I think it's just just try where you can. And I'm I think if you are at like a a point in your sustainability journey where you're a little bit more conscious and you're you know like you're more aware of what you're doing and mm. you start to notice people around you not doing certain things, I think it's really important not to criticize people for that. Mm. and give people like the positive feedback where they need it because it's just like anything else if people are getting negative connotations and stuff from you when you're doing something that like you're just trying for example um it makes it harder for people to stick to it yeah absolutely that's definitely some good takeaways there so just digressing a little bit again you've created a huge online community organically just under 80,000 people and your community seem really loyal in the sense of your engagement and you're so interactive on your account always connecting with people and spreading love all across Instagram I never have seen anything negative or you know down nothing degrading nothing you know bad on your Instagram at all it's so uplifting whenever you're on it what do you think has been your biggest lesson in terms of starting an online community and building a personal brand over the last couple of years? 
Um, so I think for me, my biggest lesson has definitely been to be open to learning mm. um, because I feel like, oh, and, and definitely responsibility, like taking that as a responsibility. Um, I find a lot of people with larger online communities, they do tend to forget that they are there to serve people in a sense Mm -hmm. and they I don't want to say this in like a bad way but they'll put their views out there without thinking of any consequences that might have Mm -hmm. and I'm really really conscious of that and if I do have opinion an opinion on something I'm really like before I'll share that I'll make sure that I've looked into it properly Mm. (laughs) because I don't I don't I don't want to offend anybody with my views and yeah. I want to make sure that with with what I'm saying it's actually of value to people. Yeah. Um, and the term influencer, you're literally influencing people's decisions with what you're putting up online. Yeah. So you've got to make sure that you're putting out the right information. If you're going to, you know, yeah. start stating facts, make sure your facts are right too. Exactly. That's like a huge thing for me. I really really want to make sure that what I'm sharing is the right stuff and um, that, it, yeah, like that it is valuable and it is making positive impacts on others. Yeah. I don't want anything that I, like, I used to share a lot of before and after photos of like before I had my baby, oh, yeah, before I had the baby and after. Yeah. Um, but then I've learned that, that that can be damaging to some people. Mm. So I've obviously I've stopped doing that and I've apologized for that as well on my stories before. Obviously I don't have to I don't have to apologize for that at all because I it's a lesson that I've learned, but when I was when I was sharing those, I honestly thought I was doing something that was right. And it, it did help a lot of people as well, but then you look back at it a couple of years later and you're like that could have been really damaging for other people as well. Mm. So I think it's really yeah, like looking at that and going okay like I've grown from that and being okay with that I think that's really important so yeah definitely being open to changing and taking on feedback because I I learned that from somebody else that they they were actually quite hurt by it yeah I love that you take responsibility for that because whilst your intentions are innocent and you know your intentions are good sometimes it, it can rub people up the the other way and at the end of the day that's triggering them because of their own issues so that's never on you but it's just very kind and definitely a positive way to take responsibility for something that might have triggered someone else to to say to you yeah Yeah. absolutely and I think yeah I think um with with being an influencer I don't really like to use that (laughs) I don't like to use that term because you are so, yeah, I know. I know that I am. I don't like to use it though because I, I just believe that everybody has influence. Mm. Like whether or not you have like a thousand followers or like a hundred thousand followers, I think everybody's got the same opportunity to influence. So I don't like the term, but I understand the term. Um, but I think as an influencer, you have a lot more responsibility, like social responsibility. Yeah. And I think that if you're going to take that term and like say that that is your job or you you know work with brands and all of that you need to take that that ownership like ownership of that 
and be like, okay, this is what I am and this is how I work mm. um, and I'm here to, to help. Like most people should be there to help people. I don't know about everybody, but I'm, I'm there to help others and I want to be a, create a community for people to help each other mm. and for them to connect as well. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love just how authentic you are and you don't hold back and you're always creating content with value, particularly surrounding your passion, like carbon footprint and sustainability and all facets of lifestyle choices. So I just want to say you're doing amazing things and keep going because I've always felt so drawn to your message and mission in this space. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I, that means so much to me. It, like every time I get a lovely message or somebody says, <laughs> some, says something nice to me, I'm just like, it makes, makes my soul so happy because this is why I do it. Oh, that's so good. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to connect with you personally as well because I've been a bit of a fangirl for a couple of years, so it was so nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been so great talking to you. You've got a great podcast going here. I'm enjoying it myself, so. Thanks, babe. So for people who might want to know more about you, where's the best place that they can find you if they're not already following you? Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram mostly, so Roxanne Cambridge at Roxanne Cambridge. Yeah. Um, I also have a website where I post my online sustainability stuff, which yeah. is just roxannecambridge.com. Um, and, yeah, that's just mainly where I am. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for this chat. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. <laughs>Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.